Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Shaw. Alex has the night off, so I'm going to be joined by two of my best friends going back to high school and the former hosts of the Locked On Nets podcast, Josh Bass and Marcus Barahal, to break down a third, that's right, a third, it hurts to say, heartbreaking defeat. We get into the game itself. Their thoughts on R.J. Barrett's progress, Julius Randle, ideas to preserve him a little bit more, because he clearly tired out. A little bit more on what the Knicks' future could hold. And then, just a Nets talk, what their playoff rotation will ultimately look like. The Nick Claxton versus LMA, Blake Griffin debate. Um, and a little bit of uh, some thoughts on, on Steve Nash. Right now, on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are locked on, Knicks. This episode is brought to you by the Locker Room app. Download the app and join me and Alex this week, Thursday, 5.30 p.m. for Fan Friday to get in on the action. That's right, Fan Friday on a Thursday. Locker Room, changing the way we talk about sports. I am Gavin Shaw, one of you two normal hosts a play-by-play broadcaster in non-pandemic times. But during this ongoing apocalypse, I am just a meager podcast host. And I am joined, not by Alex Wolf, but by the two former hosts of the legendary Locked On Nets podcast, Marcus Barahal, Josh Bass, after a painful for me, thrilling for them, 114-112 to win for the Brooklyn Nets. Over the New York Knicks, the Nets not weighed down by Kevin Durant, James Harden, Blake Griffin, clearly put together their best effort of the season to upset the far superior Knicks for the third time. Josh, Marcus, did I get that all about right? Uh, You missed uh, Landry Shamit and Tyler Johnson also not playing. But other than that, I think you hit everything. Yeah, and you you missed disgraced host for me, a former disgraced (laughs) host. Right. Yeah, I forgot, I forgot that was your, your official title by the time you left. What, what what have you guys what have you guys been up to in in post post Nets world? Still watching for one. I mean, I I know Josh uh, was a longtime fan, lifelong fan of the the Brooklyn Nets long before we were doing the podcast. Um, I was not, and yet um, I've grown attached to a lot of the players on the roster. So I've. Still been watching, not every game, but probably 90% of them, I'd say. Some people might remember when I first introduced Marcus on this podcast, he was a Knicks fan. But Marcus, you, you like Max Kellerman before you, you changed alliances. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, uh, no, I think, I think that's a testament to me, right, guys? Uh, my persuasion ability to really bring Marcus uh, into the fold. Gavin, you were a little bit tougher. Yeah, you, um, you, you did tell me retroactively, Josh, that you only took the Nets job to eventually co-host the pod yeah. with Marcus and, and, and switch him. Yeah, if we if we had another year together, Gavin, I really think you would have been uh, just reminiscing about the Boki Nachbar years and, and Donald Sloan and all those guys. Um, but I'm glad we were able to fully convert Marcus. You, you were cracking me. I took I took a lot of crap when I initially took over this podcast. Anyways, um, oh, we'll get into the game. 
a a heartbreaker for the New York Knicks. Um, in the first half, looked like they were well within control of this one. 14-point lead, obviously, James Harden, the big story going out early, uh, re-injuring that right hamstring. Kevin Durant still on the precipice of return for Brooklyn. Looked like the Knicks somehow against his net super team probably had the superior talent by a little bit on the floor, had a big lead, but just got really, really sloppy in the third quarter after a dominant second, allowed Brooklyn to get back in it. Seemed like they had a chance down the stretch, but Alfred Payton inexplicably waved off help on the double-team Kyrie strategy that had been working shockingly well against Brooklyn. Uh, Kyrie hits a big three in his eye. Last play of the game after Alec Burks ties it all up at 112. Uh, Nets come down. Kyrie doubled again, passed it off to Joe Harris, misses. Tip by, I can't remember if it's Bruce Brown or TLC. Um, Jeff Green fouled, makes his 12th and 13th. Felt like his 100th free throw of the game. Julius Randle misses at the buzzer. Knicks, or excuse me, Nets win it. I want to believe so badly. Nets win the season series. 3-0, Josh, I'll throw it to you initially. Um, I'm, I'm going to flip the perspective for you. What did you think about the Knicks in this one as an avowed Nets lover? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that the Knicks were were interesting. I think, you know, as you'd expect, they're going to be surprisingly well coached. And um, I, I think kind of, you know, you mentioned, hey, they got a bit sloppy in the second half. I'd, I'd almost testament that to more so like the Nets actually started trying on defense and the Knicks were just kind of befuddled by that. Um, but like you have Julius Randle, who's kind of at the epicenter of everything. You had surprisingly good shot making, I think, which uh, was a really nice sign for the Knicks fans. Well, you have Reggie Bullock, who's obviously going to be money from from three. Normally, uh, he was really hot. And then also like RJ Barrett. I mean, I don't, he's on my fantasy team. I don't watch every Knicks game. Uh, I know he's had some good shooting nights um, from distance, but he, I thought he looked really confident taking threes, taking pull-up mid-rangers off the dribble. So that's going to be a really confident, um, you know, his confidence I think is a really good sign for Knicks fans. But ultimately what it comes down to is I don't think they have the overall horses when you're playing a lot of guys that are kind of zeros on offense, both of your centers and Noel and Taj Gibson, they're kind of, you know, defense first guys. They can finish around the rim a little bit, but you don't really have guards that can get them the ball in the right spot. Quickly was quiet tonight. And then Obi Toppin, we were we were texting about it, the three of us, but like, you know, he's supposed to be an offensive-oriented big man, and he doesn't really do anything uh, that kind of warrants that because, you know, he's uh, the Nets are switching easily onto him with guys like Chioza, and he has, you know, eight, eight or nine inches, 50 or 60 pounds, and he's not trying to get inside and punish that, and he's not, you know, being an active guy spotting up um, with his three-point range. So you have a lot of guys out there for the Knicks that uh, are kind of aimless, and when you're playing a team like the Nets that has Kyrie who can have such a majestic offensive performance it's just going to be tough to to beat them on a night like this even when they're missing a lot of talent yeah it was it was interesting that they played Alfred Payton down the stretch because that was not a strategy that worked for them against the Minnesota Timberwolves actually arguably cost them that game last week and then Elf comes in late and actually does some really good things had a floater with 245 left to get it to 109 105 then this awesome pass in transition to Nerlens Noel who promptly blew two free throws in a row had a layup over LaMarcus Aldridge, got it to 109-107. Um, and then then the backbreaker, though, defensively, waving off help on Kyrie Irving. And Kyrie just nailed one in his eye. Uh, Marcus, what did uh, former Knicks fan, what, what, did, what did you think about the Knicks tonight? Um, I, for one, I, I want to get into something Josh said a little bit more. R.J. Barrett, I, I thought, even though he didn't have an assist in this game, one of his best performances this entire season. Yeah, RJ was great. And uh, just quickly on that uh, Alfred Payton point you made. Emmanuel? It was, uh, it was almost like 
the worst thing that could have happened, the fact that he made those two shots, just because I think it gave him like a real sense of confidence and like he was like sort of like Kyrie in that series against the Bucks where he's like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna guard Giannis. Like yeah. Peyton was kind of like gassed up from his two makes, like, oh I'm gonna guard Kyrie right here, I'm gonna shut him down. This is it. Quiet the haters, quiet the Gavin Shawls of the world. And it was just uh not the move. So that was bad. Um but for RJ, yeah, um his shot looked really smooth from outside, made four threes in this game. He was hitting his free throws. Um, like you mentioned, no assists, but Randall as the hub was kind of like catching a lot on the elbow, a lot of drive and kick from him. Um, kind of like a, a very non-traditional offense that the Knicks run with um with Peyton and with quickly each only having one assist, Rose having a, a couple off the bench, but Really, it's Randall who's more of the hub. And Barrett, I think, has done a nice job kind of supplementing that and complementing it and and hitting those shots from the outside. Still slashing the basket, getting the line a couple times. But, like, I don't know. His game looks a lot more solid offensively. And then defensively, he is a strong guy. He had a couple miscues, like, when he kind of flew by TLC on that one shot that that, uh, he banked in from the left side. But for the most part, I thought he was really good on that end as well. Yeah, I thought it was- I would want to go to Barrett more on on pick and roll. I feel like he doesn't, you know, he's kind of like a secondary or tertiary option on a lot of things. Where hey, Randall's having he has the action on this play. If that doesn't work, then it's Barrett's job to kind of create something. But I'd actually like to see them go to Barrett more, initiating the pick and roll, maybe with Randall as a screener who you can slip it to on the short roll, and then he has a you know he can he can shoot, drive, or or pass. But I feel like they don't go to him enough as a you know, playmaker. Yeah, do they not like, do they not trust his passing? Like, what do you think that is, Gav? It's, it's interesting to see early in the year. I mean, like first game against the Pacers came out, was throwing these insane dimes, like cross court hook passes, um, hitting, hitting guys straight in the shooter pocket, went through a stretch for 20 or 30 games where that part of his game completely dissipated. And then over the last 15 or so, certainly post all-star break, he's been back. He, he's by and large been a spectacular passer. Didn't really show up tonight, but just making some of those reads that you you see from like the great big initiators in the NBA, Luka Doncic, LeBron James, cross court on the money, hitting three point shooters in their pockets for whatever reason. Maybe it was just how the Nets were playing him. Uh, those those weren't really open tonight. But Josh, I think I think that's a key point because it's it's been obvious to me the last couple of weeks that Julius Randle has has been grossly overworked, and I think we saw that tonight. Where in, in the first half, like I would I would argue. That, that was um, uh, maybe not a first team, but a, but a third team. All-NBA caliber performance finished the first half with 11 points, 9 assists, 7 boards. Essentially put together a 14-2 to run by himself. The two-man game that's been so good all year with Reggie Bullock was working to perfection. He, he's gotten so good with Reggie just throwing in the ball and cutting off it. Randall has this ability to catch and just kind of use his big frame to set a screen while he has the ball and then hit Reggie right in the pocket. Had another one where he hit RJ right after. Then he gets into the lane, gets to his one foot, fall away, fouled in transition, handoff to Reggie for another three. DHO, another three for Reggie Block, who had, I think, five or six in the first half alone. Or, excuse me, four in the first half, five total. Um, it was a 17-2 to run in the aggregate. It was all Julius Randle. He looked like the best player on the court, as well as Kyrie Irving was playing. And then the second half, it all went away. And I think a lot of that was, was fatigue, whether it was mental or physical, but carrying such a big load. And, and I think Tibbs, for as much as he's done well this year, Josh, to your point, he hasn't done a good enough job weaponizing R.J. Barrett and, and taking some of that load off of Randall and using Randall in a role where he can be the secondary creator, where instead it feels like the entire offense is constantly on Randall's back. And, and Randall's gotten himself into good enough shape that he can do that 
for long stretches, but especially in a game like tonight where he's really running up and down, has a lot of defensive responsibilities, got switched onto Kyrie and got, got torched a couple of times. That's a big ask for him. All right, we're going to come back and talk about the Nets, but we're going to take a quick break, and I'm going to tell you guys a little bit more about Locker Room. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, Alex, other fans, athletes, and insiders. We're insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. I will be hosting rooms on Locker Room for the Locked On Knicks podcast once a week. Yes, you. I'm looking at you. Can finally join in on the conversation you listen to on here every single day. Locker Room is the perfect place to start or join in conversations about the league. You'll find fans just like you on Locker Room to watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to big news or rumors. You'll have a chance to chat with me and might even have a chance to be featured on the Lockdown Knicks podcast through our Locker Room conversations. If you guys have been following, we have posted every single Locker Room combo as an episode. So if you want to be on Lockdown Knicks, it's a, it's a stone-cold guarantee we haven't cut anyone out yet. Um, come join us on Locker Room this Thursday at 5.30. Alex and I will be hosting a room together, maybe with a special guest. Who knows? Go download the free Locker Room app now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link to your Twitter, and join either the NBA, MLB, NHL, NFL group for the latest league updates. Follow me at Gavin Shaw to be notified when my room goes live. I know you won't want to miss it. I'm planning to be live again this week, Thursday at 5.30 p.m. I can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts on the Knicks. See you there. Locker room, changing the way we talk about sports. And this episode is also brought to you by Rock Auto, one of our all-time favorites. Alex is usually the one who talks about them. So I'm excited to get into it with you guys. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain front store. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the part from his computer? It sucks. Choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket to do all that for you. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for two decades. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail, mo- tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. You always need a new carpet in your car. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available to your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On. That's important. In their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. All right, guys, we are back on Locked On Knicks. You can get all your Knicks news right here, but if you want to get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes, you can do so with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Gavin Shaw, joined by the former hosts of the Locked On Nets podcast, Josh Bass, Marcus Barahal. Guys, we, we we got the painful stuff out of the way. We talked Knicks. Josh, I heard you throwing up a little bit in the background. It's all said and done. We can get into your favorite team, the Brooklyn Nets. Josh, I'm gonna I'm gonna start off with you. 
Um, what did you What did you think of the job from Steve Nash tonight? We, we had a little group text going. I got some complaints from you. I, I heard I've, I've been hearing it all season on Nash, and, and I'm fascinated by it because on paper, I, I feel like he's again not watching a lot of these games, but just seeing the results. It feels like he's done a pretty good job managing all these talents. And, and with the team as loaded as the Nets, you'd feel like that would almost be the priority over the tactical stuff. But I, I know you've taken some issue with, with the minutia and, and maybe have the feeling if it's not going to hurt the Nets in the regular season, it, it's the kind of stuff that could hurt them in the playoffs. Is that a question? Yes. Is that a question? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a long-winded way of saying what do you think. Yeah, yeah I think like it, it's really his just like, and, and obviously he cares a lot, but like his, just his, like the apathy that I perceive him having is just like kind of frustrating to me because obviously – you have Nash, who's a very, a very cerebral person in general, not just a coach, not just as a former player, uh, but he's just kind of very chill. And then you have like the rabid fans like us. And I mean, you guys have seen me uh, watch a Nets game. It's not a pretty <laughs> sight. And and it's just like, we're so into it. And then you have Nash, like the only coach in the league, maybe the only coach I've ever seen that probably sits the majority of the time. And I know that's such like a, a BS thing, like that doesn't really affect anything, but like, I just think he's slow to adjust sometimes. Like when Kyrie's getting doubled four or five times in a row and the Nets really can't get anything of it, you know, maybe it's it's time to design, hey, like Kyrie's going to stand in the corner and we're just going to run a quick like uh, pick and roll with Joe Harris and Jeff Green because we know that they're not going to help off Kyrie and just see if that works. Or maybe instead of having TLC in the corner when Kyrie's getting doubled because spacing isn't going to matter when you're playing four on three, just have Alize Johnson in who's basically going to stand under the rim and can finish as we saw tonight. So just like little things here and there that I feel like he doesn't do. But I mean, if you were to tell me, especially after the start that the Nets got off to, that they were going to be where they were kind of, uh, you know, as we enter early April and they're 35 and 16 with the time that KD and, and uh, both Kyrie and now a little bit of Harden have missed, I will be ecstatic. So I think ultimately I have to kind of be begrudgingly happy with the job he's done. Yeah, Marcus. I mean, they, they made a comment on the Knicks broadcast tonight that Nash felt like they've had three different teams. It, it feels like almost even more than that. 25 different starting lineups this year for the Nets. Um, obviously had the, the initial run with Kyrie and KD. KD gets hurt. Um, then they get all three of them for a little bit. Then it's just Kyrie and Harden. But on a lot of nights, it, it's, it's all Harden and the role players. And now recently, it's just been Kyrie and all the role players. How, how do you think Nash has been able to, to manage that? Obviously, Sean Marks doing a pretty good job setting him up with the, a roster that's just insanely versatile. But it's still, still a tall task, especially in your first year coaching at any level. Yeah, and I mean, even outside of the star players, like even just looking at the role guys, at the beginning of the year, the question at center was like, okay, is Jared Allen going to take over from DeAndre Jordan and and play 30 plus minutes and uh, get the bulk of the workload. And now it's two completely different guys. It's LaMarcus Aldridge and Nick Claxton, Blake Griffin mixed in. Like none of those guys were playing um, a couple months ago as, as early as like early February. So it's been, I think I'm overall impressed with the job that Nash has done just because of how much he's had to juggle in terms of the lack of continuity, the big names, getting them to buy into to lesser roles a guy like DeAndre Jordan, who signed that huge four-year, $40 million contract, um, basically being out of the rotation at this point, even with uh, those superstars out, he's still not playing. So I think I've been impressed with Nash overall, especially um, in in the personalities department. In terms of more like on-the-court stuff, like Josh said, um, I think we're kind of on the same page. Like when Kyrie was getting doubled, a lot of it was just because uh, Jeff Green or someone would come to set a pick for Kyrie and that would just kind of be almost begging the Knicks to double him like bringing that second defender 
into the play where a team like the Houston Rockets, when James Harden was there, would a lot of the time just have him at the top of the key ISO everyone else just kind of flattened down into the corner so that if they're going to double, it's going to have to be someone like sprinting across the court to run a double as opposed to like Jeff Green or whoever's setting the screen just or have Joe like Harris walking the defender in. Yeah, or have Joe Harris, someone who's more of a, a knockdown shooter uh, to your point, Josh. But it's just simple things like that that can definitely be adjusted. I wonder, um, come playoff time, like does, does Mike D'Antoni uh, speak up more? Does Jacques Vaughn speak up more in the huddle? Are they right now just trying to sort of uh, let Nash coach through those mistakes, sort of like they're uh, going to hopefully do more of with, with Nick Claxton on the court. I don't know. I think it's still a long season. There's still um, some time before the playoffs. And and I think overall, um, I'm willing to give Nash some more time. Uh, it's just been such a hectic year for him that uh, there's a lot to focus on. Um, obviously, the latest change for the Nets is the addition of the two former All-NBA big men, Blake Griffin, LMA, uh, whichever one of you guys wants to start. What, what, what have you guys seen from those two so far? And, and what do you think that looks like in the playoffs? Are, are they both playing? Are they playing together? What, what's the minutes distribution, especially with Claxton coming on? Um, how, how do you guys see that big man rotation sort of sorting itself out? I'm nervous about it, Josh. I don't know about you, um, but it just feels like they have too many guys right now. It seems like DJ is not going to play, which is the right decision. But then you know, Aldridge will have nights where he'll get a couple assists out of the posts in sort of like a, a Julius Randle type way. He'll get a couple blocks. Blake Griffin, really smart player, kind of always knows where to be, even if his body hasn't always caught up. And then Claxton has that high ceiling. Josh, we were texting about his defensive versatility, staying down on some of those Reggie Bullock pump fakes early in this game. Like he, I think, brings the most to the table, but he also has literally no playoff experience. So that would be a risk. And then there's, there's going to be times where Jeff Green is a small ball five, KD is a small ball five, Bruce Brown has had time in that role. So I'm not really sure how it's going to break down that last game yesterday that they played against the Bulls where Claxton only had eight minutes was kind of discouraging. Uh, Blake was out in this game and Claxton still only played 17 minutes. So I'm a little nervous about that. Josh, are you are you wanting them to play Claxton like 25 minutes and just see what happens? Or do you think he should be in that like 20 minute range? Yeah, I think more in that 15, 20 minute range, like, and Gavin, I'm curious to hear your take on Claxton because you haven't seen him as much as we have, but like his switchability on defense. And I know, I know it's going up against like quickly, who's a precocious rookie, but still like, he's not going to be a playoff type creator at this stage or like Peyton, you know, some of these guys, but he's, he, his ability to stay with people is really, really good. Um, So I'm excited to see kind of what he can do. And he's still um, you know, gives the Nets kind of that lob threat that they did have with DJ because regardless of what you want to say about DeAndre Jordan and he was not good this year and it, you know, obviously we've it's kind of been hashed rehashed to death of just kind of his signing and overall place in the team. But he's amazing at finishing alley oops and Claxton kind of brings a little bit of that. Um and then you have the Jeff Green option. Like Blake to me is the one that seems a little bit out of place because he doesn't really do anything super well at this stage. Like in terms of post scoring, Aldridge has him beat. He's not a rim protector. Def- defense, Claxton hasn't beat by a mile. He's not going to be going up and finishing alley-oops. And the part of Aldridge's game that I like in the playoffs is that if um, they can't really go, the opposing team can't really play anyone that's undersized against him because his his uh, turnaround jumper is just so unblockable anyway and just money. And I feel like when he was on Portland for all those years, I would always remember him like getting off to really fast game ones and game twos and dropping like, 35 points and 20 points and a half 
And I just feel like he can have some good moments with the Nets where, you know, maybe some of the offense isn't working and he can just get a bucket. Um, so I feel like a combo of Aldridge, Green, and Claxton is probably going to be the Nets' best bet. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see, again, how Nash manages those egos of Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan because there's a lot of options and no one's really differentiated themselves. And I'm not sure if anyone will, um, you know, for the next month, month and a half of the regular season. Josh, I know you're a big uh, greeny team's head, so so I'll give you one going into the break. Coming up on Locked on Knicks, I'll tell you why Nick Claxton is the key to the Nets championship hopes. But first, I need to tell you about betonline.ag. All right, guys, as promised, it's bet online time. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing, baby. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. My absolute favorite. Real-time updated odds and props and almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's absolutely free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. If it's a big if, use our promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sports book experts get more analysis on the top prospects available in this year's nba draft with the locked on nba draft podcast scouting reports draft rumors mock drafts and full coverage of march madness four days a week from credential draft experts follow the locked on nba draft podcast on the odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts we are back on locked on nicks as promised josh i will answer your question i'm i'm all in on nick claxton i remember i think it was no Marcus was already doing the podcast when they drafted him, but I, I remember talking to you guys about it and telling you guys based on what I knew about him. I was a huge fan of the pick in the moment. Um, he's ended up being quite a bit better than I I thought he'd be in his second season, especially after not playing much his rookie year. But I, I think he's absolutely essential to the Nets' championship hopes. Right? They have no one who can really fill that role of defensive glue at the center position. Josh, I remember you and I were kind of on the same page when they when they traded for Harden. I, I, we probably both changed our minds on this by now, given how well Harden's played. But I was saying, man, I, I think it's just a death knell that they gave up Jared Allen. They needed that def- interior presence defensively. Um, not really even for guys like Joel Embiid, who's probably going to be scoring like 40 against the Nets, regardless of who's in there, but just to stop penetrators. And if guys like Kyrie and Harden are wearing down under a heavy offensive load, if, if KD coming back off of multiple injuries is lacking the the quickness, um, despite still having the savvy and the size to stop elite wing creators. You just you just need that guy on the rim. And DeAndre Jordan, we we all know, not that guy anymore. Nick Claxton, though, is that guy. Um, I mean, I, I've been seeing like clip after clip of him switching onto guards tonight. He he absolutely locked down Rose, who was going off in the first half at something like 15. Claxton switched onto him, bottled him up, um, had this monster rebound over Taj Gibson. And there's just no one else on the Nets roster that that brings that gear. And I I think I get what you were, you were hinting at before, Marcus. The idea that they're that Nash is going to feel pressured to play LMA or Blake um, down the stretch or in the starting lineup over Claxton. I, I think it would it would ultimately be a mistake. You you just need that defensive glue. Uh, obviously, offensively, you add Blake or LMA to like the three stars, you're completely unstoppable. But it's almost overkill given the amount of talent. Versus just having Claxton as a rim roller, I don't think I think the opportunity cost of taking him out on defense is too high, and he should be the guy opening and closing games for the Nets when it when it's kill time. But do you guys? I, I think I think based on what you said before, you'd both agree with that. I do. I mean, I I think that like whatever advantages uh, you mentioned Aldridge brings, like they have that in spades. Even like in a game like this where. Uh, 
you know, Harden's out, KD is out, all these guys are out, Shamit who can kind of create his own shot. Like the Nets might not have necessarily like shot creation outside of Kyrie who was uh, on the court tonight, but they had a lot of guys who could score. You know, Jeff Green was penetrating, getting inside. Joe Harris with his pump and drive game has been really effective. Like they've got a ton of scores. The offense is really never going to be a problem for this team, even when they're two superstars down. So uh, the focus kind of should be on that defensive end of the floor. That's why Bruce Brown made such an impact earlier this season and why Alzay Johnson uh, made a real impact in this game, just kind of fighting for rebounds. Uh, He and Joe Harris combined for six offensive rebounds in this game between the two of them. Like that's the kind of energy that the Nets need from the fourth and fifth guys on the court. Josh, let's just fast forward a few months. What do you like the Nets are in the finals against the Lakers? What's your ideal eight, nine, 10 man rotation based on how many guys you think should play? Yeah. Um, that's interesting. So obviously the, the big three, you have, uh, Joe Harris as well. Chios is a given. Then, yeah. Chios, <laughs> Alize Johnson, Reggie Perry. Um, okay, so, but yeah, the big three, Joe Harris, I think, I think LMA, I think Claxton could do a really nice job against AD. I think LMA, you know, can, uh, I think he has to be in there kind of at least initially and, and see how, how it goes. Um, you kind of like him against you know, Drummond just because of his size, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I think he just has a lot of girth, and kind of in a in a Brook Lopez way, where maybe he's not, um, you know, getting a ton of rebounds, but he's at least just taking up space. Um, you have Jeff Green as well. So now we're up to seven guys, and then hmm, I feel like Shamit has played well of late, and he's, you know, I mean, there's not going to be a ton of ball handling responsibilities to anyone uh, outside of the big three. So I'd rather have someone like him than than maybe a Bruce Brown who uh, might be a bit duplicative if if there's a ton of big men already if you're having LMA and Claxton and Green in the rotation. So I'll I'll go Shamit, but obviously that spot could go to a Brown. You know, hell, it could go to an Alize Johnson at this point with how well he's been playing. So I think that's kind of the, the core eight. Um, but it's gonna be it's gonna be matchup dependent. Like if Kyrie's getting cooked by Schroeder then, um, you know, maybe Brown does have to play more to kind of lock him down. So I think it'll be interesting to see how Nash handles that. Um, Josh, I'll, I'll throw one more your way. I, I know from, from being a longtime friend of yours, um, it's not, you're, you're not a Nets front runner. You're not even, you're not even a Brooklyn front runner. Like all, all the people who jumped on the bandwagon when the Nets made the move, you're, you're, you're a fan back to the New Jersey days, back to the Jason Kidd days for you. Just how, how surreal is this whole experience of the Nets, not just arguably having the best team in the NBA, but accumulating just this insane amount of frontline talent. And I know obviously Blake and LMA are far from their primes, but just just seeing the names on the roster, Steve Nash, I'm sure for all three of us, like an idol growing up, coaching the team, Mike D'Antoni, who, who's a lot of fun in all of our lives, like leading those Suns teams as, as an assistant coach. Like, is, is there just a surrealness to all of this or, or has it kind of caught up to you and you're, you're just kind of living in the moment with it? No, I think I mean I think the most surreal part, Gavin, is was reading kind of the uh, the GQ piece on Amari Stoudemire and his passover. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I just seeing like Tiago Splitter as an assistant coach, you know. But um, oh, on a serious note, I think like it's it's surreal, but also it's been kind of a, a year plus in the making. When you think about like we had Kyrie last season, we had we had KD, obviously KD KD didn't get to play, but like just seeing kind of these guys and the excitement slowly. Br- brim um was very cool and then just the success that some of the bubble nets had where it's like okay um you know they're in a position where they can very easily put chips in the table to get 
another superstar, which they did in Harden. So it's like, you know, was that a good thing? Um, I think looking at it now, yes. But back um, when those negotiations were still happening, I think we were all a little bit ret reticent. But like the possibility was very apparent that the Nets were going to have a super team. And the, how well it's worked out, I think, has been really, really cool to see. And I think for me and Marcus, like we're kind of looking at it like Kenny Atkinson, where, you know, we were uh, with Locked On Nets for so long, we leave. And then there's people in, in uh, Doug and Adam who are doing a great job, but they're coming in, getting all the glory. So uh, Doug and Adam are the Nash in this situation. And we are just uh, Coach Kenny, just chilling in L.A. Yeah, and uh, Marcus, I'll, I'll end on a on a Knicks question because I know I know you still support the team when they're not playing the Nets. Um, how do you how do you feel about the Knicks' future right now? And obviously, because the Nets are so good, I'm sure there's no regret getting off the bandwagon. But if, if the Knicks are, are maybe making a playoff run in a, in a couple of years, I mean, it seems like organizationally they're they're in a much better and more stable place than they've been in two decades. Maybe they finally get that star or something. Do do you see yourself? jumping back on like what's 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 your long-term uh, fandom situation i mean i think at this stage uh in my nba watching i think i'm just more attached to players than specific teams and so i think when when i stopped doing the podcast like i was still a huge dinwiddie fan a huge joe harris fan and like those are the guys i wanted to watch as opposed to like this knicks team has had like a ton of turnover really frank is the only guy who is still on the roster from when i was watching them kind of like every game it's like sort of similar to like when you're watching a show like The Bachelor and you tune out for a couple of seasons, you jump back in, you don't know who anyone is. Like, I don't know. Uh, maybe one day, maybe if the Who's Knicks... Who's this uh, comparison guy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if the Knicks get Dinwiddie or they get uh, someone else that I'm a fan of, that could, uh, that could bring me back. But I definitely like the direction they're heading in. Um, what they've done with Randall in terms of his player development has been really special. I think RJ Barrett has a really bright future. Uh, if Mitchell Robinson can, you know, put a sustained run on the court, um, he's got the talent to make it happen. Um, not a ton of bright spots other than that, you know, quickly has some pops here and there, but I still think the future is really bright. And I think that they are going to get someone pretty soon in free agency. I'd be surprised if they didn't. I think that the level of competency they've shown, uh, we've seen it rewarded the last couple of years with the Nets, the the Clippers, the Heat, teams like that. And I think the Knicks are kind of like, on that same path, just like a year or two behind schedule. Josh, you just reminded me, I was, I was going to close with a rant about the Knicks, but but you noted to me earlier today that you, you had a listener question, which I, I thought was great. Um, <laughs> so throw, throw it at us. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I have a listener question. Um, this one comes from someone that's a, a big fan of, of Locked On Knicks. It's Chris from the Bronx who ask, asks, excuse me, uh, is Theo Pinson more loved, beloved as a Nick or a Nick? I'll hang up. Good question. What do you guys? I, I can I can speak for it. He's he's certainly beloved as a Nick. Like he his celebrations carried over. Everyone noticed it and appreciated it. I, I think people are are still big fans of his energy. He was the answer to the Affleck trivia question the other night in Detroit of of which who's the only player in the Knicks to have won a national championship in college sixteen seventeen with UNC. I called that game. I knew it. Anyways, uh, yeah, yeah. I think I think he's doing well with the Knicks. But I, I know I know he was, he was much beloved on the Nets. Yeah, but also like he had to play um, with the Nets, especially last year. So it's like that. I'm looking at he's only played 30 minutes total with the Knicks. So like, if that was how much run he was getting with the Nets, then yeah, fuck yeah, you know he's, oh, he's no. extremely loved. But um, I think having him actually on the court and 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 running uh, critical possessions uh, and seeing him initiate the offense dims that for me. 
<laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Anyways, I think it's fair to say, um, relative to when we started doing the podcast, Josh, back in 2017, both the Knicks and the Nets have a far brighter future, and we'll end on that happy note. Uh, Mark, oh, Gavin. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Can I give you? Can I give you one piece of trivia? Because I looked up a stat at halftime. Uh, yeah, please. Julius Julius Randle related. Uh, in the NBA this season, he leads the entire league in threes made with four seconds or less on the shot clock. I just thought that was insane. That is, I don't that, know. Is that is pretty insane. And I mean, it, I get him some help is all I'm saying. It's, it's a testament to how incredibly good he's gotten as a shooter. Because I mean, obviously hovering right around 40% on the year, but it's been, I mean, it, it kind of gets back to Josh's point a little bit earlier where the Knicks aren't really doing a lot within the course of their offense to make life easy on him as a scorer. I think as a passer, they're doing a lot of good things in terms of having like pre- pre-described reads and like Randall seems to have like a pretty innate understanding of where everyone's going to be like, particularly him and Reggie, but Tibbs does a really good job of allowing Randall to like, especially when he's double teamed to just make these like blind turnaround passes because he knows where everyone is going to be. But as a scorer, it's been incredibly difficult and it's been all Randall and it's been a test. Yeah. Like get the ball to RJ a little bit. Let him take some of those shots. Uh, Julius Randall doing a great job though. You know, keep it up. I'm in total agreement. Do you guys do you guys have anything to promote? Do you want to share your, your social media or anything? Or is is there no need for that now that you're out of the podcast game? Yeah, I mean my my accounts are all private now, but uh <laughs> everyone, everyone get vaccinated, I guess. Yeah. I'll plug that. Wait, can, yeah. can we keep going? I mean it's almost halftime with the college game. So I think yeah, we have some extra time. <laughs> did you did you have anything else you wanted to get out there, Josh? Uh, I, I love Clyde so much. Like Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, he was kind of mispronouncing everyone's name. He, I, <laughs> does he call Obi Toppin Obi Topping? I well, he was talking about yog, yog, yogurt today, so it might have just been in, in the flow of things. Um, but because he was saying that, like uh, Breen was mentioning that, um, like Clyde was fifty years early on doing yoga, and Clyde said, "Yeah, I used to tell people I liked it, and they said, what flavor?" And then, and then Breen was like, what flavor did you like, Clyde?" And he said, "Vanilla. You know, I'm plain other than my wardrobe. I'm a very simple man." which I thought was, was a great experience. And then another one that was really good where Breen was complaining about his memory and the Clyde was like, you think your memory's bad? I'm 76. It was, it was it's just, it's just great banter. Great banter. Great broadcast crews in the, uh, the New York basketball scene. Yeah. Ian and, uh, and the, and the gang and on yes. How's, how's, how's Ian been doing with all this? Is he just in heaven with all the star power? Or do you think, does he like, does he miss the weirdness of the previous Nets teams? I think, I think he, I think he's good. I mean, he hasn't been doing games in a while because they've, uh, he's been doing March Madness, but he just got back in pretty recently. I mean, he's still the chemistry with Kustak is great. I think that's like the thing that shines through for me is that it seems like they're really having fun on the broadcast. Yeah, and and I love what Rutko's doing as as our backup. You know, best one two punch in sports, in my opinion, um, with Ian and Ian and Ruka. I feel like. Um, Ian really likes Nick Claxton. I feel like we're getting a lot of puns yeah. from that. And then also, I haven't heard him call as many Alize Johnson uh, minutes because usually it's been blowouts when I've stopped watching, either good or bad. Um, and tonight I had to watch on the on the fucking Knicks feed. But anyway, I think the Knicks did a, did a good job, and Clyde always cracks me up because like I listened for, to a Knicks game, um, one of the first games uh, against the Timberwolves a few days ago, and he immediately calls Anthony Edwards the precocious neophyte, and it just made me. <laughs> Did you did you guys happen to see uh, this is this I don't know if this will make the podcast or not but just like Anthony Edwards what he was like saying post game about oh about uh, Barrett well he had the Barrett thing but the even funnier one 
was uh was Alfred Payton where like uh Anthony Edwards, he was like driving one on one, I think on RJ, who had mm-hmm. him who had him like pretty much handled and then Elf for like no reason whatsoever comes and doubles off of Malik Beasley. So Edwards just threw him the ball and Beasley made the three and that, that pretty much won the Timberwolves the game. And then like uh there was I'm trying to scroll through my tweets and find it, but uh, there was like he, he did a post game conference with Beasley and like um and, and he was like, Yeah, the crazy little guard ran out of me. Who what, what's his name? And, and Beasley was like, Is that that Bullock? He's like, No, 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 not Bullock. And he's like, he's like Peyton. He's like, Oh no, oh no, one of the Timberwolves reporters said Peyton, and he was like, He's like, Yeah, Peyton, he's insane. Why would he run at me? <laughs> it, was, it was really good. All right, on that happy note, we're gonna call it Josh Bass, Marcus Barahall. Great pod, great time. We'll, we'll have you guys. I have a feeling uh, once the Knicks are out, um, hopefully, hopefully after a competitive first round series, maybe against the Nets, um, we will we will have you guys on as, as ongoing Nets correspondents throughout the playoffs <laughs> to get your takes. I'm Josh sure the Bass, listeners love that. Marcus Barrow, oh, they will. <laughs> they'll, they'll stop listening. But you guys are great. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Bye, guys. Go Nets.